Hey beauties, before we dive into this episode of the Amplify Her podcast, I want to remind you that there is a networking meeting for the Amplify Her networking group. My group focused on creating community and talking about money and growing each other's businesses, clients, our careers, all the things that we don't always talk about. Today, June 7th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're interested in joining, would love to have you. If you want to join a future meeting, head to www.amplifyhermedia.com backslash networking. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am your host, Christina Singh, and the Amplify Her podcast is all about amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. I am so thrilled to be back with another episode and an incredible interview with a wonderful woman. On this episode of today's show, I had the immense privilege to chat with Jen McClellan, who runs PlusSizeBirth.com and is known online as at plus mommy. Plus size birth is the leading plus size pregnancy resource for both families and birth professionals. And Jen's story on how she created plus size birth and created plus mommy is so inspiring. I connected with her work when I was pregnant and looking for resources. And I was just so relieved to find her website and to find more resources on giving birth and being pregnant in a larger body. Uh, Jen went through her own experience as a plus size individual and basically had no resources in 2011. You'll hear more about her story during this interview, um, but I'm just so thrilled to be chatting with her. There are just moments where I'm doing this show where I just cannot believe I get to have conversations like this one and I get to speak with these wonderfully incredible women. Jen has been featured in the New York Times, uh, HuffPost, um, Today's Parent, The Bump, uh, Evidence-Based Birth, Medical News Today, um, and she has also presented at MommyCon, the National Institutes of Health, AWAN, HuffPost Live, and many, many, many more. Uh, I think it is just so incredibly important to talk about the work that Jen does and being plus size and pregnant. There are so many resources and so much education around weight-based bias. And I think that we're not chatting about it as much as we could be, but Jen, due to Jen's work, we are chatting about it so much more than we were um, 12 years ago. So I'm excited to jump into this episode with Jen and really just so grateful for her time on the show. I hope you enjoy this beautiful, beautiful interview and let's dive right in. Jen, thank you so much for being here on the Amplify Her podcast. I am so beyond grateful for your time today. Um, thank you for joining. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Christina. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I have been, uh, I I don't want to like fangirl, but I have wanted to chat with you for so long about your work. And I am truly 
so grateful that you're taking the time today because I think your work is so important and the content you put out into the world is so important. I found you when I was pregnant in 2020 um, and I am a plus size individual and I was really scared going into pregnancy and birth because I have heard so many horror stories of doctors not respecting people in larger bodies and it feeling overwhelming and scary. And I found resources on your page that made me feel so much better about my pregnancy and birth experience and really led me to finding so many more people who were also sharing their stories and who were also talking about being plus size and pregnant and giving birth. So first of all, I want to thank you for putting all of that out into the world. And secondly, I wanted to ask you, you know, what made you decide to be so vocal about your journey during your pregnancy and your birth and like really talking about motherhood from this perspective? Um, what made you start to do that? and and really be like very very out there with it. Yeah. Well, just like you when I got pregnant, I went online, only there wasn't positive resources and still to yeah. this day, right? There's not a lot of positive and I was like, well, I've been a big girl my whole life. Like why can't I have a healthy pregnancy? But everything online was like, you know, you will have gestational diabetes, you will have a cesarean birth. And also I got pregnant in 2010. So comment sections were real popular with a lot of trolls basically saying, you know, you're fat, you shouldn't be a mom. And I was like, wait, what? Like, it was awful. But I, you know, was pregnant and I really sought out as much information as I could on how to have a healthy pregnancy in a larger body and gosh, where could I even find maternity clothes that would fit my body? This was, this was hard. Like even things were more limited, way more limited. And I had a healthy pregnancy and just this amazing transformative unmedicated birth where I gave birth on my knees and was just forever transformed. And I was like, okay, why didn't these resources exist? I wasn't the first fat woman to have like this amazing experience. Like (laughs) there has to be more positive stories and, and even just maternity images of people in larger bodies was, I scoured Google images. I remember going through so many tabs, just hoping to find pregnant bodies that looked like mine. And it was very, very difficult. So when my son Brayden was four months old, I started a blog having no idea what it meant to be a blogger that, you know, all these years later, it would be my full-time career and life's work. I just, I felt really called to share a different narrative of what it can be like to be plus size and pregnant and how to find all the resources I was struggling to find. Yeah. Oh, it's so gorgeous. What happened within you when you started to use your voice in that way? Because I think it is so powerful to have those thoughts and have it be occupying your mind, but it's so powerful when you, when you actually take action and when you decide to do that, what happened to you when you did that? Yeah. You know, I remember really wanting to use the words plus size. Like now I probably would have used fat, right? But back then it was just even daring to be like, 
plus size, even though I knew I was plus size yeah. and everyone knew I was plus size, but that felt like a really big deal to like start to own it. And I didn't realize at the time because I didn't have the language or the tools that I was unpacking my own internalized fat phobia, right? Like I didn't realize all that I was actually doing. I just felt called to do it and to start writing and to start pulling things together. So I evolved in so many incredibly beautiful ways of like learning to meet others where they were at. And though, though I had one experience, it, it, I wouldn't want to push my experience on to others. Like I thought at first my, my blog would be about how to have an unmedicated birth when you're plus size because I had such a, like this amazing experience. And then I realized quickly, oh gosh, there's no even resources on like how to have a healthy pregnancy if you want an epidural. So why would I only focus on one thing? So I, I learned so much and within a, a month, it, it was blowing up on social media because no one was having the conversations that I was around plus size pregnancy and sharing positive stories and images and Instagram wasn't even around yet. So this was all on Facebook and it just took off. And I had to very quickly pivot to realize that, oh, this wasn't about me and me sharing my experience. And here's my favorite plus size maternity items I bought. It was there's a huge gap of just base information needed and missing. And now I need to do it and it be for everyone, not just for people that may want one specific type of birth. And then I became a certified childbirth educator. Like, and then I started public speaking. It like literally changed my whole life's path just by sharing my story and then really wanting to create the resources that I couldn't find, but create them in mind for the community not just for myself. So it was a real evolution, um, but it went real quick. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question. Like, what was the timeline like for all of this? Because you said that your son was four months old and then you started, I mean, all of this happening very quickly and being a new mom must have been quite overwhelming. So what did this yeah. timeline look like for you? Because you already have such a major change in your life and then you've opened up the door for another incredible major change. What was that like? Well, and I had a career. I was the breadwinner for my family. My partner worked part-time. Like I, I didn't have any idea what I was doing <laughs> and that it would require so much of me and continues to. Um, my, I was in the nonprofit sector doing end-of-life advocacy for terminally ill individuals and getting laws passed around medical aid of, and dying. And I thought that that was my life's path. So here I was like blogging and having a full career. And then when my son was um, two and a half, I got laid off. And at that time, I was just writing weekly and I had the social media. I think Facebook was at, you know, tens of thousands of followers at the time, but I didn't realize it could actually be a career path. I just felt called to do this. And I got laid off from what I thought was my life's mission. And it was very devastating. I had a miscarriage the same week I got laid off and I struggled emotionally for a few months and then my friends and my wonderful family were like okay Jen like this is sad and we feel for you and we know you thought this was your path but 
can you look to the left because you've built something amazing and like why don't you pursue that and that's when I became certified as a childbirth editor and started doing a public speaking tour and did all these things that really took the blog and took the work that I was doing catapulted it to a whole nother level beyond what I ever could have imagined and now you know it's been 12 years and I've been doing this full-time for quite a few years um, many years now uh, but it took me really feeling like I had lost everything I, I thought my body had failed me because I had a miscarriage I thought I had failed my family because here I was the breadwinner and life we were coasting life was great I got paid well and then and then I decided to build my own business, which, you know, is a whole different <laughs> path and track and hard on the family too. Yeah. Um, but I just, I knew that it was necessary. And I've always been touched to like how you started this episode, just the words that you said t- touches me so deeply and profoundly that resources I put into the world help other people to feel empowered. And so there was no looking back. It was just how was I going to be able to, as you said, manage being a mom and a wife and, you know, b- keeping the lights on and, you know, all these things that you have to balance while building your passion. Oh my gosh. I think this is so gorgeous. And I love talking on this show about like stepping through the threshold of fear that can hold you back from embracing your power and really taking the next step. And I'm, you know, I'm curious, like, obviously that's such a major change. I mean, it feels like you have had such major changes in your life in very short amounts of time. And yes, I'm curious, like when you started to make that decision to step on stages, to become a childbirth educator, to really take action. Have you always been a very action-oriented person or was that something challenging? Like for me, I'm a really big dreamer. And so I can dream about doing all the things, but it's, I, I find it, you know, a little fearful to take that action and really step into it. Was that the case for you or yeah. have you always been that way? Well, I was a camp counselor for many summers as a teen, which requires you to be a big extrovert. Yeah. So that makes up a lot of my personality. Like I love attention and I love making people happy and smile and being silly. And so for that, you know, and in drama and high school and all that stuff. Um, But I think, you know, working in the nonprofit sector, which I had done before I worked for Compassion and Choices doing end of life advocacy for over seven years, I worked at other nonprofits. So when you work in the nonprofit sector, you wear so many different hats. And when I started doing end of life advocacy work, I remember I was in my, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, and I was working with these nurses and doctors and I was like, why would anyone listen to me? Like, I'm so young and I don't have all these degrees. And they said, because you care about the topic, because you believe in this. And I think a lot of what is 
helped to formulate my own work growing plus size birth and the plus mommy podcast has been all that I learned working in the nonprofit sector and interfacing with doctors and nurses and all these people who I think ordinarily I would have been really intimidated by, but I had all these amazing experiences and all these amazing mentors who taught me about, you know, speaking and trainings. And I, I would travel the country managing, um, you know, volunteers who would work with people who are terminally ill. And so taking on topics that are hard and are challenging and working to create change I, has always been within me. Like I did volunteer work when I was younger. Like it just, that's how I was raised was to give back and to make a difference. And so while there are many aspects of building and growing what I've done that have been challenging, <laughs> like accounting, um, standing on stage and speaking my truth is invigorating. Oh, I love that so much. And I actually work in the nonprofit field as well for my full-time role. And so I'm very familiar yeah. with this world that you speak of. And mm-hmm. I <laughs> you do 12 I, things at once. <laughs> mm-hmm. It becomes um, so clear when you're chatting about this, how passionate you are, but also it becomes really clear, you know, how connected you are with community and finding community and building community. And I think that's like a big thread of nonprofit work and, and also like the desire of, you know, anything that like blooms out of, out of that. And it feels, and I've seen you build such a beautiful community and just by speaking your story and, um, talking about your work. I mean, I was attracted to it and I was looking for resources and actively trying to search for things because like you said, this is, you know, you're talking about very vulnerable things and, and open things. And like, all of this is very personal (laughs) and all of the stuff that you talk about is very personal and can come with a lot of shame um, with courtesy of the outside world. And um, right. I think that when I was looking for resources on your page, I think that I was like really craving validation of like, hey, this is actually perfectly fine. And yeah. you are an individual in a larger body. And like, it is perfectly fine to be treated with respect. You don't have to change or alter your body in a drastic way. You don't have to make decisions that are not feeling aligned with what you actually want. Um And if certain things do happen on your journey, um, that's okay. When you've built this community and you've built a beautiful community, what were some things that popped up initially that were like really compelling for you um, or that made you just feel really like, oh yeah, this is the right thing. I'm, I'm with my people and this is like the right step for me to take. I think just like immediately people wanting to share and wanting to be part of community, right? And then, you know, my background was in volunteer management and, you know, working with people across the country and pulling them together in in a shared belief. And so there was so much crossover there of wanting to give people a safe space to share their photos and their journeys and, you know, also doing this for 12 years so much has changed in social media, right? Like I remember when I would share LGBTQ plus stories from the beginning, which was very important to me to be inclusive, 
having to put a disclaimer, like if anyone says something negative, you'll be blocked. And like, I hated doing that, but there was still so much negativity being posted at the time. And now I don't even do triggers like they, because that's not a trigger. I don't ever want that to be a trigger, but I hope that made sense of why I felt like yeah. I need to protect and hold space for those sharing their stories. And that has always been important to me is to make sure that anyone in a larger body who gets pregnant can see themselves represented. And so going from language where I would only say pregnant women to now I say pregnant people and pregnant women and making sure, you know, I'm highly profiling photos and stories of, you know, black people and people of color and the LGBTQ plus community and just always meeting people where they're at because, I'm a white woman with privilege and I struggled to find pants that would fit me. Right. And I worried that I would be mistreated in the medical care system just for existing in a larger body. So um, the beauty of the community, so generously sharing themselves has still to this day blows me away and I'm in awe like I did a call for birth photos recently for a project I'm working on and just like I'm tearing up (laughs) like you know as I'm looking at these photos like people are sharing this with me like and they want it to be shared with the world like their most raw and vulnerable beautiful stories and images like it has been so amazing. And and one of my favorite things to do is when I get emails, which I do often where people will say, I had this experience because of you, Jen. And I think so often we give our power away, especially women, right? And especially women in marginalized bodies. And I love to give people their power back and say, I didn't birth your baby. Like I didn't, all I did, all I did was put resources out into the world. You found them. You tapped into them. You did all the work. You brought your baby into this world. You are strong. You are amazing. Don't don't give that away. I'm so proud of you. And that, oh, wow. that brings me immeasurable joy. Yeah. Well, I think also, I mean, that was just so gorgeous. And thank you for sharing. And I, I think just that representation that you are talking about is what I I was craving and I think you know you said you started in 2010 and so much has changed and yet I think there is a lot of you know a lot of stuff that hasn't changed as far right. as people's responses to seeing a fat person who is pregnant and I think, you know, even now I I follow some people who are pregnant and are in larger bodies and I do see negative comments or I myself had an experience where somebody asked me if there were multiple babies in there. And like, I think that there is still a long way to go, but I am so grateful when people are sharing their photos, sharing what they look like. You know, I interviewed Mia O'Malley on this show. Love her. She's amazing. And I learned from her the different types of bellies during pregnancy and that it was actually really normal for me to have a bee belly Mm -hmm. during my pregnancy. And I didn't know that because I didn't see those photos or that represented. And I thought it was odd. And so I really want to 
connect with people who are putting diverse stories and representing diverse stories out into this world because it really makes such a huge difference what you're seeing online. I mean, it sounds so simple, but for some people, that is not the case. You know, they're, they're, what they're surrounding themselves with is not diverse. And I think that I, I can directly see why you would be celebrated and why your work would be like continue to be uplifted and why you would want to build that community. Because when you do find something that represents, you know, your experience or, or that you see, you know, other people feeling, you automatically gravitate toward that. So I'm curious, who have you found that has made you feel that way and has made you want to continue to share and, and like you felt supported by? I mean, I feel so fortunate first and foremost to have a mother who's an entrepreneur. So learning from her and her journey and um, her belief in me and then my partner, I mean, Chris and I met when I was 19 and I'm 43 now. Like I joke that we've, you know, (laughs) he's known me when my boobs were up here and now they're down here. Like he's never once doubted. Yeah. My ability to, you know, we've had to sacrifice a lot to build a business that there was no roadmap for this. Like I got pregnant in 2010 and started the blog in 2011 and it's been a wild ride and lots of sacrifices financially and emotionally and lots of time away from my family. I remember my toddler Brayden would slam my laptop closed when I would be working and giving everything to the community more so than to myself or to my own family because I so believed that things had to change and that there needed to be positive resources and representation and not just on the community level, but in maternity care. So being able to speak to care providers to hopefully raise awareness of what was happening, uh, especially weight bias in maternity care, um, that even when I started at the time wasn't really even being studied. We were looking at weight bias in healthcare in general, but not specifically in maternity care. And now we have the evidence to show that this is happening and it is harmful and it's actually happening to people of all sizes, not just people in larger bodies, um, but that it's leading to poorer outcomes for everyone. Um, So to have that foundation of my family and my husband, uh, and then just so many other incredible creators, content creators, and fat activists and birth professionals that were all on this wild ride together of trying to make the world a little bit easier for everyone else to access yeah. and to feel welcome and to feel supported and to feel, to feel welcome. Like I, at the end of the day, like I, I'm, I look forward to the time when my work isn't necessary because we treat every person with respect and dignity um, during pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and parenthood, uh, and that it's just, it's not a big deal, and we're not fighting for simple things, but, you know, still, we don't have great medical technology for even monitoring people of size, and yet we're requiring continuous fetal monitoring, so there's a lot that needs to be said, and a lot that needs to be changed, and a lot of advocacy that needs to be taught, and I think for so 
long I focused in on, like you said, the community and teaching people how to advocate for themselves. And now I've really appreciated being able to interface with more care providers and say, hey, like, it's not on the onus for us to be like, hey, please don't treat us poorly. You know, it should really be on you <laughs> to address your own weight bias mm-hmm. and to learn tips and techniques and different ways to support people in larger bodies with evidence-based compassionate care. Well, thank you for sharing that. And on that thread, I am curious if you wouldn't mind sharing some of the instances of weight bias that you have seen and that, you know, you did say that there are, you know, more studies that have been done um, around maternity care and weight bias. And so what are you seeing? I mean, I can certainly speak to experiences. I know other people can, but for those who are unfamiliar, like, what do you see and and what is happening Um, and, and what are you advocating for? Yeah, I mean, things have gotten better, a lot better. Mm-hmm. I love it when when younger docs reach out to me, you know, because I started doing this when I was in my, what, late 20s, and now I'm in my early 40s, so now I'm like, younger doctors, <laughs> I feel like the older, the older <laughs> person saying, but it's true, like, I'm excited when I have these younger doctors reaching out to me, and they're like, very aware of weight bias and um, racism in maternity care and the poor outcomes and they want to see change. So with a, you know, first note of hope that there is, there is a new generation of care providers coming up and coming in that are very much aware of harm that's happening in maternity care and want to address it and change it. Um, But the system is, is, is definitely broken and needs a lot of repair. And, you know, even governing bodies like the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists that sets guidelines and safeguards for maternity care, they don't state that people in larger bodies should be classified as high risk. But that is something I see time and again and again of people being told that they are having a high-risk pregnancy based only on their BMI. So they are having extra interventions and limitations around their options for birth when there isn't the evidence to support that that should be happening. So we have a very high cesarean birth rate for people with a BMI above 30, and especially for those with a BMI above 50, um, it can go all the way up to almost 80%. And I firmly believe that care provider bias against people of size plays a very strong role in that astronomical number and that there's just this assumption that fat bodies can't birth. And there's even people who are told that their vagina is too fat to birth their body, to birth their baby. I know it's horrifying and shocking. And I actually hired a researcher to dig into that. And I can give you the article to put in your show notes. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is BS. And the articles and research that I've looked into tell me this is BS. But like, I want to hire you because you're a researcher to dig into everything and tell me this is BS. And she's like, Jen, it's BS. So um, we do know that it can take longer for that first stage of labor for um, dilation and progression. And so we do see this pressure of interventions where we know statistically that it is going to take someone in a larger body just a little bit longer to progress. Um, But we have studies to show that the second phase of pushing can actually be a little shorter. So that negates this idea that people's vaginas could be too fat to birth their babies. And when I talk about this in 
to care professionals and when I've spoken at conferences, you know, I reiterate how it's not just impacting how someone views their body's ability to give birth when they're told this horrific thing that's not even evidence-based, but it also impacts their self-esteem, how they feel about intimacy with their partners, you know, how they teach their kids to be confident with their bodies. Like this is very, very damaging things that people are being told or being told that you must have a cesarean birth because of your size, which again, not evidence-based. And we actually know that, you know, there are a lot more risks that come with major surgery for especially people that have that apron belly or that larger belly, um, much higher rates of infection. So it, a lot of what I do is just looking at like, how do we talk about evidence in a way that empowers people to advocate for themselves um, that doesn't make them feel like they're ticking time bombs because that's still so often how articles are written around pregnancy is that we're looking at relative risk, which would be comparing the rate of myself existing in a larger body to the risk of someone who exists in a smaller body. Well, their risk profile is lower. And what does that really tell me to compare each other's risk profile? <laughs> that doesn't, that gives me some information, but it doesn't tell me what my actual risk profile is. So for right. For an example, for the listeners with gestational diabetes, you know, pull up an article right now and it'll say, you know, people with a higher BMI, only they'll use the O word that I don't really care for, um, you know, are four to five times more likely to develop gestational diabetes. And I'm like, gosh, four to five times more likely. What is that? 40%, 50%. So that's your relative risk because you're four to five times more likely to incur it than someone existing in a smaller body with a lower BMI. But when you look at the actual risk of someone with a BMI of 40, um, their risk is about 17% <laughs> of incurring gestational diabetes. And that number is not fixed. And we have research to show that exercise can help reduce our risk. And there's you know, other things that we can do for our overall wellness during pregnancy. So I like to say, let's flip the script. So we got like what, about an 80% chance of not incurring gestational diabetes. And there's even more I can do to be proactive with my wellness throughout pregnancy to reduce my risk even more. Like, heck yeah, like what can I do? As opposed to people being told, oh, it's very likely, which you're like, that's not even out of space, but you're a doctor telling me this. So it's a lot of myth busting and empowerment and reminding that there's nothing that only people in larger bodies incur during pregnancy. There's not one thing that only plus size people go through. So like if you develop gestational diabetes, it is not a moral failing. It's your placenta, <laughs> your placenta, yeah. right? Like it is not on you. Don't carry the weight of shame and feeling badly about yourselves because it happens to people of all sizes. And, you know, there's, there's only so much we can do and so much we have control over. And stress is one of the worst things that we can put upon ourselves during pregnancy. And we know that weight bias, when people experience weight bias in healthcare, they are less likely to receive routine healthcare and more likely to gain weight. So shaming people doesn't work. And we know that. And so I just want that counter narrative out in the world with evidence-based information to say, all right. Here's how we can do our very best to have healthy outcomes. And even if we don't, we're still doing our very best. And there's no moral failings in any of this.
Yes. Oh my gosh. I, oh, I want to like blast that whole sentence, like the whole thing you just said, I want it on speakerphone around the world (laughs) just so people can, you know, really, really hear that because I think the most powerful thing, I mean, you said so many powerful things, but one of them was flip the script. Like let's flip the script because I see so many people who are in smaller bodies, they have the script flipped for them. And there is positive encouragement and reinforcement and for people who are living in larger bodies, it's all about risk and it's all about be careful. This is what is going to happen. Or Mm -hmm. if you don't do a, B and C, this is what's going to happen. And I, like you were saying, it leads to an outcome where people feel shamed and then they're not going to the doctor or they're not feeling like they can have the support that they need. Or starving themselves. That's what I hear a lot is like, Mm -hmm. I don't eat before I go to the doctor because I'm so afraid that if I'm even an ounce up on the scale that I'll be shamed. And I'm like, wait, you're pregnant and you're not eating? Like, this is a whole nother thing that we need to be unpacking. And by the way, if you don't want to stand on the scale on that Tuesday morning appointment, you're a mentally competent adult. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do, including being weighed. And I think giving people their power and their their rights and even knowing that we have rights, I think, especially during pregnancy and as parents, we worry that if we do something wrong, you know, and for yeah. some people, there are horrible, you know, consequences. We look at the American Academy of Pediatrics new weight um, guidelines for children and looking at weight loss drugs and uh, even weight loss surgery and a real fear of how this will impla- impact, you know, lower social economic families and black families and families of color. If they say no to their care providers, will there be CPS investigations? Like there's, right. there's a lot that is very scary as parents existing in larger bodies um, with the system that doesn't like larger bodies, right? And so there's a fear for standing up and advocating for yourself, but there are also tools and things that I can teach and others teach so beautifully of like saying, oh, thanks for this information. Um, I'm going to go home and review it, right? So if you're worried that if you don't do what your doctor says, that there could be consequences, there are different sayings that you can say and different phrases that you can say and bringing someone in with you as well. Um, and and that is a very uh, kind of like shocking and scary example, but it's just one of many of like, especially those of us who exist in larger bodies that have been mistreated by the healthcare field for so long, we're afraid to question, we're afraid to say no, we're afraid to be an inconvenience or a bother. And that's, that needs to go out the window because we are literally paying for these services and they work for us and we need to, and I also, again, acknowledge the privilege and being able to say that because there are certain, certain circumstances, um, as I just shared with the AAP, where we are concerned that if you don't follow what doctor says, there could be consequences. So, right. uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to derail it there, but, um, no. it can be scary. To approach healthcare in a marginalized body. 100%. And, um, you know, this, so many times I mention this because it really is the thread in everything 
in our country and a lot of our society is this um is a direct result of white supremacy culture and having um all of these characteristics of white supremacy culture seep into our lives and I think what you have been touching on, you know, throughout our conversation is that and also the dramatic impact that weight bias and these birth outcomes will have on people of color and people in low income households um, and the, you know, black maternal health crisis in our Mm -hmm. country. And I think that this work is so life-saving because People need to realize, I mean, I want to say care providers need to realize that people, I mean, they, I, I would hope they realize this, but there needs to be some more action around taking these steps to save lives. Because when you have someone coming into your office and they're being shamed or facing weight bias, and then they decide, well, I'm just not going to go to this appointment, or I'm not going to feel safe, or maybe there aren't as many resources for someone to take time off of work to go see a care provider while they're pregnant. I mean, I know I had the privilege of, of doing so, but it was still very challenging going over and over and over again and taking time to do so. And that goes back to people being classified as high risk Mm -hmm. when they aren't technically high risk and the financial and emotional burden of going for these continuous non-stress tests during the end of pregnancy, which may not even be medically necessary, but we are just saying, oh, because you have this BMI and not looking at someone's full health and birth history. So yeah, you, you tied it all together. Absolutely. Uh, And it is concerning. And I don't think you can be a birth professional in 2023 and not also be very, very much aware and speaking out against racism in maternity care. And we know there are horrible things happening, right? And so me focusing in on advocating for people in larger bodies, there are so many of us, you you know, who exist in many different ways and have many different marginalizations and also are plus size. So all of that needs to be recognized and taken to account. And I'm not afraid to speak up about certain things. And yes, there is privilege in that as a white woman, but I also know when to step back and give the mic to others and amplify others. And and so I really enjoy doing that with my podcast as well as the Plus Mommy podcast of being like, oh, wow, like you're doing this amazing work for like, um, there's this great account, you know, fat plus size, fat black birthing, or I'll, I'll make sure I'll give you the right information yeah. um, uh, in the show notes, but like having them on my show and amplifying their work and amplifying the work of, um, Dula Katie and many others who I'm like, teach me. Like, I, I want to learn from you how I can be a better ally um, for not only the Black community and people of color, but the LGBTQ plus community. Like, I, I basically just want to meet people where they're at. Like, if I yeah. struggled enough as a white woman in all of this, like, I just can't imagine how other people struggle. And so one of my critical things in the work that I've done from the beginning is I want my website to be where people could come with plus size birth and see themselves represented in it. Like to see pictures of themselves. Like if you look at the plus size birth 
Instagram. Like I'm very intentional of diversifying because I just couldn't even see myself. So I want everyone to see a glimpse of themselves and to know like I didn't have professional maternity photos taken because I didn't see these glorious photos that now you can just go to hashtag plus size pregnancy and see like tens of thousands of them, right? Like that wasn't a thing. And so that is so important to me. And that's like a baby step of diversity of just showing different images, right? And then how do we take it further and how do we help support people even more? So yeah. 100% because I think there's a difference between saying, well, I didn't have that. So you shouldn't, or like, that's not fair. And versus like, I didn't have that. So let's open all the doors so we can make sure other people have that. Because I think there is that like weird power dynamic sometimes with, okay, well, I didn't have that. So why do you think you're entitled to this? And I find that a lot in motherhood. I find that a lot in parenting in general and in pregnancy. And I think it's so important to, again, flip the script and really say, hey, I didn't have this. So I want to make sure that you do. I want to make sure that I can meet where you, wherever you are, you know, no matter what you look like, no matter who you are, I want you to be able to have these resources. And I do think from your position of privilege, it is so beautiful to witness that. And so beautiful to witness that people are flocking to you to build community and want to hear more and see more. Um, I know we're like, at our hour, which is wild. But I do want to ask you, you know, reflecting upon the the past 12 years of this change in your life and of so much of what you've done, what has been something that has been like the the biggest moment for you or something that you can really look back upon and say, wow, that's really amazing and incredible. I have so many, but the one that always comes to mind was being invited to speak um, at the National Institutes of Health and collaborate on the Pregnancy for Everybody initiative because it was the first time I was seeing a you know real government agency or even just a main pregnancy resource wanting to be inclusive and wanting to um, change the way we talk about plus size pregnancy, you know, and that was an amazing opportunity. And I knew that it was. And so I took it very seriously. And when I showed up to speak, um, I asked for a wireless mic because I wanted them to see my plus size body as I spoke about how plus size people are being treated during pregnancy. And, and even the chairs where um, for the around the conference table where people were sitting, you know, they didn't really fit my body. And so at one point while I was talking, I grabbed a chair and I pulled it in front. And so everyone could see me trying to squeeze my body into this chair that didn't really work because I think chairs without arms are such an example, a quick example on how to be size inclusive. Um, And I just was like, oh my gosh, did I just do that? I just did that. Like I was just, it was such an out-of-body experience of like, here was this one opportunity where I was speaking to leaders in maternal health care from ACOG to the American Academy of Pediatrics to like so many leaders in healthcare, in maternity care. 
and I had this time and I took it, I carried everyone in the community with me and I put it literally all out, <laughs> all on display <laughs> because I knew that there was this opportunity. And when they had asked me to take part in this, you know, it's like this intense conference call and all, I like, I just started crying. I'm like, I don't, I'm sorry, but like, you care, you care about right. the experience of people of size. And it's not just us being told, but you care about how we are experiencing maternity care and wanting to know how things can shift. So for me, that was a huge moment. Unfortunately, the, um, this all started, I think 2017, it launched in like Thanksgiving weekend of 2019 and then the pandemic hit. So in 2020, when we were just getting re ready to rev up and share the initiative, NIH, you know, went everything, every resource right. went straight as it needed to, yeah. as it absolutely needed to. Uh, so I, yeah, hopefully now that things are getting a little better, but still very much happening with the pandemic, we can um, maybe rev back up that, that uh, initiative and get some more um, awareness around it because there are some really great resources for people during pregnancy and also for care providers on how to talk to people. Um, it's not perfect. There's still a heavy focus on BMI, but you know, it's a great step for a big governing body to acknowledge that the way we've been approaching plus size pregnancy for so long has actually caused a lot of harm. And there mm -hmm. are small shifts that we can make that can just create far more welcoming spaces, um, you know, and, and just things that we need to be aware of on how we talk to people, how we treat people from the seating that's available so people can sit comfortably to blood pressure cuffs that actually fit our arms so we're not getting incorrectly diagnosed with high blood pressure to how we talk to people and interface with them. You know, at the end of the day, all I've ever pushed for is evidence-based compassionate care. And I don't think that that's <laughs> a lot to be asking for, right? Like that's it's not, that's the base, right? right? And it shouldn't even be something that we've had to fight for. And that I not only in medical professionals, but also clothing, like I've networked with a lot of big clothing manufacturers and have gotten kind of mouthy about like, you are using every body language and you go up to a 3x that's not inclusive <laughs> you know like i'm now willing to to say things and ruffle feathers um because i've been doing this for so long i think part of me is just like oh my gosh like now i'm in my 40s like i am i still gonna be doing this in my 60s like we need to create change like it needs to right. go faster um because i'm just i'm just i, I I'm just never surprised by the horror stories that I hear, but I just wish I like I always want to hold space for people and and I just I just don't want to hear them anymore, right? Like yeah. I don't want people to be harmed anymore, and it and they still are, and at a rate that is still unacceptable. Um, but I'm also hearing from people like my care provider was amazing and size friendly and having so many care providers that reach out to me directly. And so there is a wonderful shift occurring. Um, it's just, it's taking a long time. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that everything you're saying is so spot on and really is so powerful. And I think that there is this shift um, that I have 
talked about with so many women on this show, where you see the need for a change, you see the need for leadership around that change, and then you realize, oh, crap, that leadership is me. Like, oh, crap, I have to be the person to speak out and do the thing that needs to change and talk to the people and use my voice and talk about all of these things. And I think you're doing that in such a beautiful way. And I think that it's so necessary because it's going to embolden so many others as it has to to do that and to create opportunities where we can all learn and change and grow um, because it is life-saving and it is so necessary and needed. And um, yeah, just thank you. I'm, I'm really yeah. excited for the continued progress. And I know you're, you are, you know, in a marathon and so many of us are around this, but I know it's working. And even when I and you and other people feel like there is so much work to be done, I do see changes and I do see things that are progressing. And um, I just want to thank you for sharing so much today and taking the time to chat with me and really share like your mission and your story and your voice because it really is and has and will continue to create change. So thank you for your time and for, for doing all of this today with me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Like I never, I never could have imagined. Right. And like, I think that's like your, your show and your focus of your work is like, like we all have a story. Right. And, and, we can, we don't have to share it with the world, but there is some of us that feel called to do it. And like, if I, if I never, if if I wouldn't have been treated with compassion by my midwives, if I wouldn't have had the care, the amazing care that I received, none of this would have happened. And so I think it goes back to like really educating care providers and, and those who interface with people during pregnancy of like, just treating people with compassion can yeah. change everything, right? Especially for people in larger bodies that have been often come into pregnancy with cumulative trauma from the healthcare system yes. and just meeting people where they're at with compassion and empowering them throughout their pregnancy, not only can help them throughout pregnancy, but then postpartum, right? Because then that's a, that's I mean, a whole nother thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why I went from <laughs> plus size birth, which is still my baby to then starting the plus mommy podcast, because I'm like, Oh, Oh, there's so many other topics. Like, yeah, just, we could have a whole nother yeah, hour. <laughs> like we, we need to ask for a seatbelt extender on a plane if we need it and not to have to feel embarrassed about it. And so I'm going to videotape myself doing that and share it online mm-hmm. and I'm not going to feel ashamed. And I think, you know, my evolution of sharing my story, building communities, you know, teaching others. And now at this point where I'm just like, God, do I have anything else to hide I mean I don't I don't think that there's much else like I'm just willing to keep putting myself out there if it means one other person is going to feel supported or one other person is just going to ask for a safety device on a plane right Mm -hmm. like I I grew up wanting to make a difference in the world and I 
never imagined that this would be the path or the way that I would do it, but I'm so humbled and honored to have this ability. And I am excited to see where the next 10 years take me. And I'm really proud of what I've accomplished, but none of it would have been possible without people like you and the community. And so I'll be forever indebted to, to everyone. So um, thank you so much for having me and, and allowing me the opportunity to share my story with you and, and your incredible listeners. Oh, thank you. I'm really, really grateful. And you are making big change. And thank you for joining the Amplify Her podcast today. And I'm so excited for people to listen to this and learn and use their voices. And I always end my show by saying, never forget that your voice matters and your story matters. So yes. Jen, thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am so grateful that you've listened to this episode of the Amplify Her podcast. If you're listening to this and you don't follow the show, one thing that would help the show tremendously is if you open that Apple app, if you're listening to it on Apple, click on the title of the show and on the top right hand corner, click that plus sign so you don't miss an episode. Not only does it help me to grow this show, but it helps you to be in the loop when episodes drop every Wednesday and every Friday. If you're listening to this show on Spotify, click on the show title of this episode to take you to the full listing of them and click follow. That way you won't miss a new episode as it comes out. For more information about the Amplify Her podcast, Amplify Her media, and the Amplify Her networking group, head to www.amplifyhermedia.com.